Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. On this show, we are flipping the script and answering the call. Why you? Why not you? Now, I didn't come to this revelation on my own, but I did adopt it as a way to overcome the woe is me kind of feeling. What if the things you're struggling with are not the raw deal delivered by the universe that you think they are? What if these things happening to you are actually happening for you? No pain, no change. Sometimes we need to feel discomfort to seek comfort. What's the lesson here? Shoot, if we knew that, it would ruin all the fun. Your journey is about discovery, challenges, and triumphs in no particular order, and sometimes happening at random. Ready to pick up the red phone and accept the challenge? So why you? How often do you ask yourself that question? It's usually accompanied by an eye roll, an exasperated release of breath, Why me? You might also echo the statements like, figures, not again, not today. Why is this always happening to me? It can feel like life is out to get you or that terrible things are hovering over you just waiting to drop. Maybe you feel like you have a target on your back or a sign on your forehead. But whatever it is, bad things happen to you. And to make matters worse, they aren't isolated incidents that happen once in a while. It's blow after blow after blow. When are you going to catch a break? This feeling is perpetual. And once you're on auto-repeat, it's hard to shut it off. You start overgeneralizing with overarching ideas like, I always or I never. You shoot new opportunities down before you even give them a try, accepting that nothing ever works out for you. So why bother? As I paint this picture, you might be nodding your head saying, yep, that's me. Or it might be a revelation to you. Wow, that sounds like me. But I didn't realize there was another way. Well, Jordan Brown gives us four big reasons why you're feeling stuck in life. With solutions, of course, found on the mentalhealthupdate.com. You may see this a lot on social media, in real life, conversations you overhear. People feel stuck. They don't think they can make forward momentum in their lives. It's a tough position to be in. It can feel all-consuming, a heavy feeling that wraps around you like a wet blanket. There are many reasons you might be feeling stuck in your life. And there are also potential solutions. But there's no overnight cure. However, you'll never know if you don't continue the search for the right information. So let's get started. Feeling stuck reason number one. You think there's no hope for any change. Feeling stuck starts with your thoughts. If you think you're stuck, you're stuck. It's as simple and as complicated as that. Thoughts create your situation. They frame how you see the world. They are, in fact, the foundations of your current paradigm. 
It's so easy to use your thoughts to create a convenient narrative about why you can't go anywhere. We've all done it from time to time. But the problem with that is it's not true. There are always things that you can do. Negative thinking is a slippery slope. In a way, it's adaptive. It keeps you in place in your perceived safety. When you think yourself into a corner, you don't have to go anywhere. The ego wants that because your ego wants to keep you safe and secure. Every time you tell yourself that there's no hope, deep down, you're scared and your silly brain thinks that moving through fear will lead to destruction. But it's simply not true. So here are some potential solutions to get unstuck from your mindset. Number one, realize that you are the one who created these thoughts and you can be the one to create new thoughts. If you start thinking about possibilities, you might start seeing possibilities. Number two, number two, talk to someone who you see as not stuck. How did they create so many opportunities in their life? Number three, make sure you're taking care of yourself. If you're tired and dehydrated, it's only natural to think negative thoughts. The body and the mind are related, and your brain will pull from your physical state to think thoughts that it feels relates to your physical feelings. How about feeling stuck reason number two? You're stuck in a dead-end job. Maybe you hate your job. So many people do. What can you do if that's the case? Sometimes it feels hopeless. Wrong. You have more power than you realize. You're not stuck in a prison working for extremely low wages, even though it might feel like that at times. There are probably small ways that you can create some opportunities for yourself. But it's totally understandable. You spend so much of your life at work. If you hate what you do, it can have a profound negative impact on your life. For many people, work is life. If you love what you do, that's fine. But if you hate your work, that can bleed over to hating your life. It's time to get your life back. So here are some potential solutions to get unstuck at work. Number one, focus your thoughts on the tasks that you enjoy. There has to be something about your job that brings you joy. Even if it's the small amounts of time that you get to be by yourself when you're cleaning up. Could you use that time to create a new future for yourself? Could that be your own private space to mentally create a new reality? Focus your full attention on these joyful tasks. There are always going to be times in your work that you will find unpleasant. Thankfully, you get to choose your attitude during these times that you enjoy. Number two, always look for opportunity. This might be viewed as shady by some, but I think it's realistic. You are a valuable human being with real skills. You should always be scanning the horizon to see how you can be best offering those skills. You're not required to be in one job until the end of time. You can go somewhere else. It's often an outdated mental model, likely handed down to you when you were young. This is telling you that you can't go anywhere, but you can. 
It may not be a perfect opportunity, but you can make incremental moves in your life. Before you know it, you're doing work that you love. Feeling stuck, reason number three. You don't like where you live. This is a big one. If you don't like the community you live in, it's very easy to feel stuck. Communities have their own character. There are people who do similar jobs and say similar things. There are the same buildings that you see every day. There's the weather. There's the way the clouds hang over your head. You get the point. There are things about your current location that are a real drag. So drag your butt to your favorite place in the community and let's see if we can get this changed. So here are some potential solutions to get unstuck from your location. Number one, it's awfully hard to pick up and move. In fact, Jordan just made a big move from Virginia to Montana because he missed the mountains. But it took a real financial toll. It was a risk, but it began paying off because of how much happier he was. He had so much more energy to enjoy now. What would it take for you to do the same thing? Could you write out a preliminary plan? You might realize that even though it would be quite difficult, you actually could move to another place. Number two, what if you really are stuck in your physical location? If that's the case, try this. Find the people who feel like you. The feeling of being stuck is so common. There really should be an I'm stuck support group all over the world. Maybe you could create one. Seriously, go on to a meetup or any other meetup site online and see if you can figure out what's going on in your community. If there's nothing there, create one. I guarantee you that there would be others who would come out to talk with you about how stuck they feel. Just the act of connecting with other people can be enough to get some new thoughts brewing. Feeling stuck, reason number four. Your relationships are draining you. Have you had some relationships in your life that were completely energy draining? They were totally one-sided. You knew you needed to cut them off, but you just couldn't. They were safe. They were familiar. Still, they made you feel stuck. It's quite possible that you've had some relationships like this. What do you do in this situation? It's not like you can sneeze in your friend's face and say, sayonara. You need connection. Humans are wired for it. But your first and most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself. If you're not treating yourself well, how can you expect others to do the same? How can you even attract the right people if you don't know what you deserve? All committed relationships with others start with that commitment, the one that you make to yourself. With that in mind, here are some ways to make positive changes, create happy and healthy relationships in your life. Potential solutions to get unstuck in your relationships. Number one, take a step back. Assess your current relationships. If they're not bringing you joy, it's time to do something about it. 
This is especially true if you have a long history of bad behavior from another person. The goal of long-term relationships is long-term happiness. Relationships should become better over time, not worse. Number two, think about the qualities you like in other people. Do the majority of the people you spend time with possess those qualities? If not, why not? What can you do about it? Number three, take a risk. Try to make a new friend. It feels so awkward as an adult. I know this, but you have to do it. Channel your inner child and ask someone if they want to grab a coffee or just meet up anywhere to chat about anything. What's the worst that could happen? Hmm, they could say no. People love talking about things they're interested in. It's basically all humans do. So step out there and make an offer. Your thoughts, your job, your community, your relationships. All of these paint a pretty complete picture of why you might be feeling stuck. The thing is, you have latent power available to you to change these realities. If you start small, you can begin to chip away at what's holding you back. Before you know it, you're a human being emerging from the statue that you've been living in. Becoming human again is what it's all about. Regain your humanity by realizing just how much possibility you still have. And then seize the moment and do something about it. Someone once told me, the day starts and ends with you. I love these little nuggets of inspiration that burrow deep in your mind but are easy to recall to make sense of the world or to deliver just the right amount of momentum and focus. You are in charge of how you react to challenging situations, the people involved, the innocent bystander, and even the thoughts in your head. You can see any situation as a good thing or a bad thing. And you don't even have to cock your head funny or close one eye. You have the power to view your life through different lenses. When you wake in the morning, you're in charge of the first thoughts that enter your brain. Now, sometimes circumstances make that difficult. Maybe you can't wake up with rainbows in the sky or bluebirds singing on your windowsill. But you can choose to use your circumstances as motivators instead of limiters. You choose. Robert Taby shares his ideas on a common feeling. When you feel you don't deserve to be happy. Do you ever feel like that? Consciously or unconsciously, our past can undermine our present happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all know these words from the Declaration of Independence, but many folks gave up the pursuit a long time ago. Some can mark the day and time when their view of life and themselves changed. But for so many others, the moments are less defined. Instead, they believe that they're just not worthy of happiness, and they subtly sabotage any attempts at being happy. They might struggle with a low-level but chronic depression, never go beyond a first date or talk about their passions, but never fully pursue them, 
or they live in a constant state of anxiety, even though they can't pinpoint the source. Whether their beliefs about themselves are conscious or not, the end product is the same, an erosion of their lives. How many times have you felt like you are getting in your own way of happiness? Things are going great and all of a sudden you do something to pull the rug out on the whole thing. Well, here are some of the common sources of self-sabotage. See if you identify with any of them. Past sins. Here, folks look back on their lives and only see what they've done wrong, the people they've hurt. Their lives are a chronicle of destruction and sadness. Guilt and regret are their primary emotions. Their unhappiness is a penance they forever pay. Survivor's guilt. Elvis Presley's twin brother died shortly after his birth, and it is said that Elvis was always haunted by a guilt that he had survived and his twin brother had not. This survivor's guilt is also what likely plagues the Secret Service agent who's survived a plane crash when everyone else went down. This is the guilt often laden with a heavy dose of post-traumatic stress. Trauma. Robert says, I've met with women who were sexually abused as children, who came away from that trauma thinking that they were dirty. And because they believed they were, they felt that they were not worthy to have children of their own. Childhood trauma not only leaves emotional scars, it leaves a child with a distorted view of themselves. They live with self-blame, with a fear of replicating these wounds, with a view of a world forever unsafe clouding any feelings of happiness. Parental worry. A parent is only as happy as their unhappiest child. Many parents feel this because parenting doesn't get switched off at the age of 18. Their worries at times, their guilt, and their feelings of helplessness can become a drag on everyday life. Critical self-image. Those who are constantly critical of themselves those who are perfectionists, driven hard, who come from a critical or abusive childhood, are essentially stuck at the bottom of a well with few or no ways to get out. If happiness is based on who you are, and who you are is based on what you do, and if everything has to be perfect, then your successes are rare. While you may try from time to time to hit the mark, Over time, you may begin to realize you can't. All you are left with is this angry voice in your head reminding you of how you screwed up, how you're a loser, how you will never be good enough, a recipe for chronic unhappiness. How about feeling guilty if you're happy? Someone said, I feel guilty if I laugh at something or unexpectedly feel like I'm in a good mood. I've been down and depressed for so long that I'm afraid that if I don't seem that way, that I've been lying to myself and those that are close to me. When your unhappiness has become your new normal, your view of yourself and what you present to others, it can feel unsettling and confusing when you don't feel this way even for brief periods of time. You can't allow yourself to savor or build on these moments of happiness because instead you automatically feel guilty and anxious.
deserving happiness. What keeps this way of looking at your life alive are the underlying wounds from the past or present that continue to fester. So here are some suggestions to begin to heal the past and present and accept happiness into your life. Make amends. If there is some regret, guilt, or wound that is haunting you and undermining your happiness, you might want to find a way to put it at rest, to get some closure. Here, you send a letter to someone you feel hurt by. You apologize for some wrong. And if the other person cannot be reached, write the letter anyway. Create some closing ceremony, some act of contrition that acknowledges what happened, but also allows you to acknowledge that it's over. Realize you did the best you could at the time. Yes, this can be a hard pill to swallow. It is because you believe you didn't do the best you could in the past with your children that you now feel anguished by. While you can't directly change how you feel, you can change what you think. And the key here is thinking that you did the best you could do at that time. Your self-criticism is coming from your emotional mind looking back at the past through the lenses of the present. But like all of us, you did at the time the best that you could do based on your age, maybe even your limited experience and coping skills. This will take some work. You want to practice thinking and saying this to yourself. No, you will not immediately feel better. But over time, you can begin to change the story that you've been telling yourself for so long. Resolve your trauma. It's time to heal the wound and put these past events to rest. Often trauma comes in layers. And here it's helpful to see maybe a therapist who can help you walk through those layers and start the healing process without feeling overwhelmed. Directly work on your self-criticism. Your head is always telling you that what you did or didn't do is the problem. And the only way to solve the problem is to try harder. But the real problem is not your repeated failures, but the process of self-abuse that is running and ruining your life. Here, as with trauma, help from a therapist can teach you how to rewire these thought patterns. Directly treat your anxiety and or depression. Invariably, there is a chicken and egg issue circling around these topics. Do you have an underlying depression or anxiety problem that, when it flares up on a bad day, automatically causes your brain to play those old tapes? Or are you depressed and anxious because you can't put these thoughts about your past to rest? This can be difficult to sort out. If your thoughts about events come and go, you may want to explore what triggers those thoughts or memories on that day. Stress? Worry? Here you use your thoughts about the past as red flags, letting you know that there is something wrong here that might need some attention. If on the other hand, these thoughts and feelings seem to ride along with a more constant depressed or anxious mood, it might be a symptom of an underlying disorder. Here, you may want to talk to a physician about trying some other options. 
Carry your life lessons forward. What these sources all have in common is getting stuck. In the past, in the present, stuck in emotions and the ways that keep recycling your thinking. Deliberately thinking differently, getting closure, and resolving trauma can all help to rewire those long-standing brain circuits. But behavioral action can also help. Here, for example, is where abuse victims volunteer or have jobs that help other abuse victims. Here's where people commit to changing their values and priorities so their relationships with themselves and others are more compassionate. You, too, can change your actions. You, too, can change your belief, be it conscious or unconscious. You deserve to be happy. Happiness is a byproduct of a life fully lived, a life based on self-care and forgiveness that can come with new intentions, deliberate actions, and support. If not now, when? Before you can really identify the good and bad in your life, you need a better vantage point. Why do you think it's important to find gratitude? We always hear so much. You know, it's that big buzz phrase. But what does it really mean? Why is there such a push to find gratitude? With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. It helps climb you out of the darker regions in your mind to your frontal cortex, where you can get a better vantage point. There you find patience, reason, and self-control. Finding gratitude helps you put life into perspective. It delivers a healthy balance in what can seem like an overwhelming sea of negativity. With this new perspective, you can start to see the lessons and gifts instead of just the pain and misery. Renee Fishman enlightens us with seven ways that life is happening for you and not to you. There's no nice way to say this. Sometimes life sucks. It can feel like life is conspiring against you and like people are out to screw you over. But what if life is happening for you and not to you? Why is this happening? First, it's natural to have thoughts of why is this happening to me or why can't I catch a break? Where this becomes a problem is when we stay in those thoughts. A brief visit to that place is inevitable. Living in that place does you no favors. There are many tools we can use to help us open and embrace our current experience. We can get into our bodies and return to the present moment. We can accept that it is what it is. What if life is not happening to you, but if it was happening for you. Of course, if you've been in the world of personal development for a while, this starts to sound cliche. Like I said, I'm not the one that made it up. When you're in a swirl of life upheaval, when everything seems to be going wrong, when you can't seem to catch a break, it's hard to see how any of this can be for you. What does that even mean? How can life be happening for me? When I'm working so hard and I can't seem to catch a break. 
I find it helps to look for specifics. You see what you seek. If you know what you're looking for, you can easily find it. So here are seven different ways challenging life situations might be arising for you and not happening to you. Number one, to teach you a lesson. Renee says, as much as I can get into the spiritual and theoretical side of things, I'm a practicalist at heart. So this is the first place I tend to look. Sometimes there's something very special we need to learn from a situation. A challenge arises to teach us a lesson about something we must do or implement to prevent the particular challenge from reoccurring. I'm always on the lookout for patterns. If I notice that the same type of situation reoccurs often, it's likely that I can implement a system to contain it. The system might be a tighter process, new rules, or adopting a new ritual. She says, for example, several years ago, I noticed that I often feel like I couldn't get any time to myself. I woke up each day and I was sucked into email and handling issues for clients. By the end of the day, I had nothing left for me. This pattern kept repeating and I felt resentful of clients for taking advantage of me. But it was really in my control. I made a change to my schedule, creating a rule to put myself first. Ever since, I've resolved to make that change. I go to the gym, I do my morning rituals before I check email. I say yes to myself to create time for my best work, and I approach my business with more intention. This helps me feel better. Number two, to serve your awakening. The challenge or pain that arises may not produce an obvious lesson. Perhaps it's just part of our destiny on our spiritual path. Meditation teacher Tara Brack often shares a prayer that comes from the Buddhist tradition. May whatever arise serve the awakening of wisdom and compassion. May whatever is going on in our lives, whatever circumstances, may they serve. She said, when I sustained a traumatic brain injury a few years ago, I often came back to this prayer, to this belief that this experience was intended to serve my awakening. Recognizing this allowed me to be with the experience as I struggled through the after effects of surgery, including screen time limitations and forced rest. Number three, to catalyze your growth. In evolution terms, the toughest challenges cause a species to draw on its resources to adapt. It's the challenge that facilitates our growth, strength, and flexibility. Sometimes challenges land in our lap to illuminate the skills we need to cultivate. She said, recently I was telling one of my spiritual mentors about a particularly tough challenge I was facing. A person was spreading lies about me and verbally attacking me. Renee said, I shared that even though I felt anger and frustration, I was also able to feel compassion for the person who was attacking me. For me, that felt like a huge marker of growth. 
While acknowledging my growth, my mentor asked me if I was able to feel compassion for myself. I reflected on this and realized I hadn't. And perhaps that's what this experience had come to teach me. Number four, to deepen your empathy. Tara Brock notes that many spiritual traditions teach that our suffering awakens our compassion. A life hardship or challenge may arise to give you the tools you need to serve others more deeply or at a higher level. It can help us foster greater empathy and compassion for others. Renee tells us, after a decade of working as a residential real estate broker, my experience in selling my own home was an empathy-building exercise. It showed me where I could change my process to better serve my clients. I've increased my compassion and ability to empathize because I have a deeper understanding of the emotional nuances that they experience in the process. On a personal level, throughout my life, I've struggled with anxiety, OCD, suicidal impulses, body issues, physical illness, and ADHD. Renee said, I recall a time years ago when I was unemployed. I became depressed, wondering how does a person who graduates with honors from two Ivy League colleges end up here? My experience have at times been painful, but they've given me perspective that few others have when it comes to coaching high achievers who feel ashamed by their struggles. Renee said her clients often tell her that they can articulate what they feel better when they can understand where they're coming from. I can do this only because I've been there. Number five, to test you. Often people say that these challenging moments are like tests from God or the universe testing whether you really want what you say you want. Sometimes it can feel like a test of our life skills. Are we expanding our capabilities to be non-reactive and to handle explosive or difficult situations with grace? Renee said, I recently was in a situation with people who were verbally abusive to me and lied about conversations we had, threatening my reputation and my business. It tested my ability to stay calm and not reactive even while under attack. She said, daily I would ask myself, can I let go of the need for the last word or the need to defend myself? Can I look at this simply and matter of fact, focusing just on the facts and releasing the stories, both theirs and mine? Can I expand my capacity to approach a situation like this with compassion and grace? In fact, One big lesson for me has been a reminder that I must have compassion for myself in these situations too. Number six, to offer you proof. Renee said, I often find the notion of testing difficult. Why does God need to test us anyway? If God is all-knowing, shouldn't God know our capabilities? Whenever I think about this, I come back to this thought. What if it's not a test? What if it's proof? Maybe we need to see the proof that we can handle it. The challenges we face in life give us proof that we're stronger than we think. They show us what we're capable of. Number seven, to help you cultivate trust. We don't always know how something will turn out. The more we can learn to trust, the more open we can be to the experience. 
Sometimes the challenges we face are simply an opportunity to cultivate deeper trust that things will work out. Life is not happening to you. It's happening through you. It's that time in the show where we cover 10 key highlights. Number one, feeling stuck starts with your thoughts. Number two, realize that you are the one who created these thoughts and you can be the one to create new thoughts. Number three, take a step back. Assess your current relationships. If they're not bringing you joy, it's time to do something about it. Number four, regain your humanity by realizing just how much possibility you have. Then seize the moment and do something about it. Number five, you are in charge of how you react to challenging situations, the people involved, the innocent bystander, and even the thoughts in your head. Number six, when your unhappiness has become your new normal, your view of yourself and what you present to others can feel unsettling and confusing. Number seven, if there is some regret, guilt, or wound that is haunting you and undermining your happiness, you want to find a way to put it to rest and get closure. Number eight, happiness is a byproduct of a fully lived life, a life based on self-care and forgiveness that can come with new intentions, deliberate action, and support. Number nine, a life hardship or challenge may arise to give you the tools you need to serve others more deeply or on a higher level. It can help us foster greater empathy and compassion for others. And number 10, sometimes the challenges we face are simply an opportunity to cultivate deeper trust that things will work out. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you to answer the call. Instead of feeling like life is delivering another blow, find the opportunity that stands on the other side of your thinking. Use your power and this new perspective to push forward and accept the challenge. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. I stumbled through until the path was clear. That's when I found you.